Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. Awesome. Well, I have the honor of delivering God's word today, but I don't know about y'all, but I feel like we've had a full day already, huh? The Lord's done so much amazing work already. Man, worship was so good. Oh, wow. You ever have seasons? You ever have seasons where like, there's like a song that just speaks to your soul, right? Like, 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 that, like that's exactly what Pastor John was saying about it. Like, like that, it hits me right here. There's a song that, that I, every single one of my prayer sessions right now starts off with the song, Talking to Jesus. Anybody know what that song, you're familiar with it? Right, and it's just, the guy's basically saying his grandma was talking to Jesus. It didn't make sense to him. But she said, boy, someday you'll understand because it saved my life. And he said, now I do because I'm talking to Jesus. And then he says that, that he wanted for his kids to know and he understood because his grandma drug him to church every Sunday and Wednesday night. He said, but his, his son was 15 years old and walked in the room while he was praying and the son said, oh, I see you got a lot on your mind. He's like, no, but you walked in at the right time because I was talking to Jesus. And his son began to pray with him. You know, this week I've been talking to Jesus. And I just want to invite you in to what the Lord said in my time with him. I've heard Pastor John say many times, look, basically preaching is just feeding you what I've been feeding on all week. I want to share with you what the Lord's been saying. And look, I, I, I wrote this sermon and it was really good, if I do say so myself. It was ni- nicely packaged. It was inductive preaching, which means that like, I give you the topic and then I'll work through the whole thing and you know, I don't give you like the reveal to the end to where you're in complete agreement about what needs to happen. But this week in the prayer room, the Lord just wrecked me. Come on. I, I don't know, may, maybe, you haven't, maybe you haven't gotten to the prayer room yet. I would, I would invite you to be there. It's Monday through Friday, 7 to 8 a.m. and 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. And I'll also warn you, if you ever wanna do something for the Lord, you better, be let it, you better be ready to let him wreck you. Lord, move me out of the way. Talk to your people. Do what you wanna do, Lord. Say what you wanna say. Lord, don't let what gets spoken today be based off of these notes, but based off of what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember when my wife and I were expecting our first child, Emma, who's now 18 years old and about to graduate high school. She's actually on the camera tonight, today. I always, I always feel, I, I walk a lot when I preach, so I always feel bad who's on the camera, but it's my kid today, so it would be all right. But I remember, I remember we were pregnant with, with Emma, and we went to Walmart to get a changing table. And the changing table, my wife's already alive because she knows the story. The changing table was like, it was like down at the bottom, it wasn't up on the rack right here. And if you look at the side of the box, it says, this takes two people to lift. But being a man... And in my early 30s, right, not even 30 yet, 
I was like, I'm going to pick this box up. I, got, I, was, I was like, hold on, girl, stand back. Watch your man get to work right here, you know. I grabbed that box. I got it all the way up to the height of the basket. And then it changed its mind, right? There, there was an abort mission moment right then and there. Young guys, look, you, you, look if you're married, look, she accepted the application, okay? By the point you grow a beard and a belly, you don't have to impress them anymore, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> takes two people to lift. Takes two people to lift. If you're taking notes, and I think you should, because it's not real until it's written down. It's my people right there. It's not real until it's written down. If you're taking notes, the name of today's message is Heavy Things. I want to talk to you today about heavy things. This isn't just a, a pretty message. This is about some, some heavy things, some things that, that we deal with. Right underneath the title, I want you to put this question, but I'm not going to tell you the answer yet. The question is this. What is a heavy burden that we should never tire from carrying? What is a heavy burden that we should never tire from carrying. I want to start off in Romans 3 today. Romans 3.23 says this. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a Propitiation, everybody say propitiation. That's a 75 cent word right there, right? It's like normally you only talk about propitiation in your theology class or something, but keep that word in mind. In his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in forbearance or patience of God, he passed over all the sins previously committed, meaning that the propitiation was retroactive. Another big word. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Propitiation pretty much means this. It means that Jesus was the payment, the propitiation for sin. Right? Our righteousness, our right standing with God comes directly from what Jesus did for us. And, and to be honest with you, I think the word payment doesn't do justice to what propitiation is actually trying to say. It actually says that it, it satisfies, like that it, it satisfied the wrath of God. How many of you have ever like, like you paid for something but you didn't feel like it was an even exchange, right? But, but, but his payment wasn't just the price, his payment was everything. Like, like everything to the point where it's like, okay, everyone's satisfied. There, there was no one that felt like they were alive. It was, it was beyond measure. It was beyond comprehension. It was beyond anything we could describe. But, it, but sometimes we reduce it to the word payment because we just don't have the vocabulary to fully say what Christ did. I'll come back to that in a little bit. Matthew 6, this is one of my life verses, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. We seek him first above everything else. 
above everything else that we do, above our job, above our achievements, above our success, above our spouse, above, if, if I can step on some, even serving him. Above everything else. Might I say it like this? What you seek first organizes the rest of your life. Seek him first, his presence first, his, his face above everything else that you do. You know, you know one, of the, one of the big indicators in understanding if we have idols in our life is how we define the word success. How are you define that word speaks to what the idols are in your life. And for a while, I would ask people, I actually asked Miss Anita this the other day, and, uh, and I was jealous of how spiritual her answer was, you know. I was like, what do you want to see the Lord do in, in your life over the next year? And she's like, I just want more of him. I was like, yeah, me too, but what else you want him to do? He's <laughs> like a song, and nothing else. Nothing else. That's all just like, that's all just added to it, right? If I just seek just him, everything else will be added to it. One more verse for this moment, Philippians 4.13. Oh, this is our mantra, isn't it? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. About five of you know it. Come on. I can do all things through Christ who gives me Strength. Okay, it says different in my notes, doesn't it? Yep. We do all things. Keep those scriptures in mind. We're going to use those today. But you know, there are times where we get a revelation from God, but it's not fully revealed. Uh, there are times that we can, we can get a word from God and we don't have full understanding of it, Right? And there are times that like we begin to walk and what, what we hear him saying, what we believe him calling us to do, yet we don't have the full picture. I, I believe one of the greatest ways to describe that is faith, right? He's calling us to, to live a life of faith, of belief, of what the, the goodness that he has for us in our lives. And, and the way that we, get, we walk out that relationship, it's the, the idea of abiding, of being with him, of being woven in together. And I, man, in the prayer room, I, there's just some weaving that happens between me and the Lord when I'm in that place, when I'm in the, in the secret place, not just even in here in this prayer room, but in my prayer room that happens right in here, which happens to be at my desk at home, but the desk doesn't matter. It's what happens right in here. Somebody had to be in that place this week. Come on. What happens right in here, that secret place with the Lord where he just begins to give revelation to the things that don't make sense in the world. And man, there was one, there was one night, oh, he began to unfold the revelation of what I'm sharing with you today. And he showed me the story of the prodigal son. Now, a lot of us have heard this story before, right? If you've been in church, you probably heard this story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut through it pretty quickly. But, but he gave me something else to look at in this story, he opened my eyes to something new and it wrecked me. I want to invite you to let it wreck you too. Luke 15. I'm going to kind of go quickly, so just roll with me. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey 
to a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. And now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. We're gonna jump to verse 20 next, but what's happened is the son came to the father and said, give me my inheritance that I'm supposed to get when you die. Give it to me now, because I think I can do better on my own. The father gave it to him. He left. He, he partied crazy. I, for whatever reason, like in my early save days, I would just imagine, like, dude was going to raves, you know? Y'all remember those back in like the 90s or whatever? And thank God we made it through that phase of life, right? Some of y'all have been saved a long time. You don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway. But, but, he's, but he's, he's there, and it's like, now he, everything has been wasted. And he begins to feed pigs, and he begins to, to be so hungry, he looks at the pig's food, and it looks good to him. And he goes from the father's house of eating from the father's table to scraps. And not just that, like, like he's actually beginning to desire and have an urge for those, those scraps that are left over. So he's like, nah, man, I'm going home. He even thought in his mind, he's like, I'm not worthy to be called his son. But even my father's slaves eat better than this. So pick up in verse 20. So now he got up and came to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Ooh, I think something, that's speaking to somebody right there. I think something happened in your life and you think you're not worthy to be called a son or a daughter. But that wasn't bought with your actions. It wasn't paid for, it wasn't your propitiation that paid for that. But the father said to his slaves, quick, quickly bring out the best robe. Ever say robe. Put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate. Said all of heaven rejoices and one sinner repents. All of heaven, there is a party beyond our understanding when one Sinner comes into repentance. Repentance isn't a bad word. It means we had a God experience that changes the way that we think about things. And then our mind is reconfigured to not an old way of doing things, but a new way that gives life and it gives what God has called for us to have in our lives, what he has purposed for us to receive. The son came to, you know, now that I have teenagers it's a new experience. I'm glad my kids are self, self-sufficient and all of that, but, but when your kids get to be teenagers, you learn of this thing called teenager eyes, right? I've probably said this before, but they begin to look at you like you do not know any clue about what you're doing. I can imagine this son's face when he went to the father and asked for the inheritance, like, dude, come on, man. The way you're running things around here, I just don't think it's the right idea. But the father gives him what he asked for, which blew my mind in the first place. You know, there are some times that God will give you what you asked for, 
He knows how it's gonna play out, but in the end, it's gonna draw you closer to him. That's a tough lesson right there. The son didn't make it on his own. He went back to the father's house, and this is, this is the vision that the Lord gave me, is the son is walking back to the father's house, and I saw his robe. And his robe had words written on it. It had sin and shame and failure and fear and doubt. It was like he, be, he was, he, this robe, this filthy robe, as it says, labeled him. It, it, was, it was his identity when he walked up to the father. He, he walked up in filthy rags covered in the shame of the life that he was living in. But the father said, take that off. I have a new robe for you. The father has a new robe for you. You know, the weight of sin crushed the son. But the father said, take off that weight. You don't have to carry that. But here's where the story changed for me a little bit. Because a week later, he showed me the other side of the robe. Oh, this is what wrecked me. The other side of the robe said, overachiever. Said high expectations, high functioning. Gets it done. <laughs> if you don't know my story, I was at the mission for 10 years. I went and planted a church in Laplace, and we were there for five years. In January of 2021, it closed. And I'm here now, and I'll have the best life I've ever lived right now. But the Lord told me that I made the church an idol. He told me that I made pastoring more important than my relationship with him. I paid a big price for that. Serving God can become an idol in your life. As I saw it, well, to put it in wellspring terms, I touched the ark. I did. It wrecked me when he told me that. I, I'm on my barely saved people. Y'all, y'all, excuse this. I know it's on the internet and everything. The movie Usual Suspects, the Kaiser Sose moment. <laughs> Some of y'all, yeah, I know who've been saved for a long time now. But there's a moment at the end of the movie where there's a character and he's been like pretending all these things and the detective's in the office and he begins to, to realize and put all of the, there's, there's, there's these just posters on the wall and he was using all those to tell the story, to make up this story. And there was the moment where he begins to realize I was talking to him the whole time. And it was, it was in that moment that the Lord began to put these puzzles together. And, I, and look, I, if you're in this room and I share something you said, I never took offense to you. It was, it, was, it was something in me that I worked out. But some of the things I began to be told was that, like, man, you can preach, but you're robotic. And, and I'm like, what does that even mean? What is that? Does that mean that, that I began to put my gifting higher than God's anointing? Here, listen to me, my highly gifted people, my highly functioning people, do not ever outrun God. Do not ever get in front of him. He is the leader 
right? He is, he is the one who says we must inquire of the Lord. And the whole time the Lord just told me, he said, you all this time, you were telling me what you were doing for me. And there are some times that God just says, I want you to stop doing for me and just be with me. And I honestly, I never knew that even happened. I never even knew it. I preached a sermon during this that said, stay calm and be merry, M-A-R-Y, and sit at the feet of Jesus at the same time, never acknowledging the fact that this has become an idol in my life. If you're in here, you're from Rivers, I repent to you. I repent to the Lord, Pastor Devin, everybody. And I know there's just such life in repentance. It's not a bad thing. There is life that's happened in me. I finally have my why. I finally have my why. I understand. This week, Miss Anita was, was, I'm stealing your illustration, so if you're going to preach this again some of the time, just, just pretend like I didn't say it. But she said she was driving home, and she began to see, I don't know if it was a sugar cane field or something, but they are doing something called a, a controlled burn. What a controlled burn is, is that they begin to, to burn away. The, the harvest was, 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 was finished, but they begin to, to burn away everything left there because it was going to get in the way of a new harvest. They burn away all the, the thorns and the thistles and everything that's going to take life from the plant that's going to, the seed that's going to be planted into the ground that's going to grow into a new thing. They burn all of it out of the way. And I want you to understand that if you begin to have idols in your life, even if it's serving God, he will have a controlled burn to take those things out of the way. He will take them out of your life. He, listen, he will burn that thing to the ground before it burns you down. He, he, he knew I would never have made it. Look, and, and let me just sound not very humble for a moment, right? Like, like I know I can get up here and I can read this room enough to make you laugh, make you cry and everything else and probably not even work in the anointing. But I don't want it. I, there's a movie called uh, Sunset Limited and don't watch it with your kids, there's a lot of language in it, but... The, the whole theory, yeah, I think yeah, I'm like, this dude's like not even saved. <laughs> it's an incredible movie, and I'll tell you why. It's Samuel Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones, and they're in an apartment. The whole movie is in an apartment, and they're de- debating God. It's the whole movie. Tommy Lee Jones is an atheist professor, and Samuel Jackson is a... Uh, is a convicted felon who was murdered and he is radically saved. And the whole movie, hey look, if you like, wanna talk about Bible college and apologetics and arguing for the faith, watch that movie. That's more real than anything you'll ever learn in Bible college. Promise you. But, but Samuel Jackson says something in the movie. He says, if it doesn't have the lingering scent of divinity on it, I don't want it. If it doesn't have the lingering scent of divinity on it, I just don't want it. At this point in my life, with this revelation, if it doesn't have the presence of God leading it, I don't want it. I don't want to write a sermon that isn't what he's saying. I don't care if it sounds cute. I don't care if it, it, it helps people. Pro- I don't care. I want the anointing more than I want the gifting. I want the anointing so much more than I want the gifting. The plans are good, 
Planners get things done. Don't ever tell the Lord how you're doing something for him. Just trust me on that one, would you? Just trust me. You know, a high gifting can lead, a high gifting out of check can lead to elitist thinking and lack of empathy. Check it. That's on your robe, check it. Neither a good reflection of Christ nor attractive to someone who doesn't know him. Do something, doing something for God can be an idol when it defines your relationship with him. I considered myself a success if the church was successful. This week, Pastor John sent me, uh, I, he, I, was, I was at, uh, Richard, thank you. Richard just sent me a text, said, preach it, Nick. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out, all right, I'm out fishing on Friday and Pastor John's back at the church being spiritual for everybody. And he sent me, he sent me this quote. Oh, it hit me. If we build that which the Lord truly inhabits, we may or may not attract people to it. That is not our concern. Whether that sound like a great church growth strategy or what? <laughs> what if the Lord doesn't want to grow a big church? What if that's not what he's after? What if that's not the purpose that he's called you to? Here's the good news. Whatever your robe says, God has a new one for you. He has a brand new one just for you. You know, I believe that vision wasn't just a, a revelation for me, but it was a prophetic moment that the Lord is calling prodigal sons and daughters back to him, especially in this Easter season. There is no better season to invite someone to church than Easter and Christmas. All right, Catholicism's been around for so long, everyone knows that you have to go to church. I'm getting some emails off of this sermon today, I know that. <laughs> but here's the thing, I don't think we should look at prodigals the way we used to. I don't think we should look at prodigals as just those whose sins are obvious. I think those who live in self-righteousness are prodigals. Those who think that they can, they can do all of it on their own are prodigals. That's exactly what the son did. Those who can own, run their own race, they're prodigals. It's not just the, the, the bottom of the barrel. It, it's, it's guys that are up here too. It's ones who's like CEOs, CFOs, presidents, all of them, right? Every single one of them. They're prodigals. They're important to God. There was a propitiation for them too. There's a new robe for them too. There's a new robe for all of us. Colossians 3 says this, starting at verse five. Therefore, consider the members of the earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. But the propitiation satisfies the wrath of God. Just throw that out there for a minute. And then them 
who also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self, the old robe with evil practices and have put on a new self, a new robe who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Lay aside the old label, lay aside the old robe. Put them in your past. Put them, put them behind you because the weight of sin grows and grows and grows until it crushes you. But God, propitiation. But God and his goodness and his love for us. Let me just tell you this, that you're worthy but he called his son or his daughter because he already paid the bill for you. You know, to, to not, to not like, like accept the fact that, to, uh, let me put it like this, to live in, in sin still even though the price for it has been paid is like going to a restaurant and somebody else paid your bill and refusing to leave until you get to pay for it. It's been paid for, you're done, move on, right? As the Lord said, I, I paid for it, it's finished, it's over, move on with the rest of your life that I've given you. Let me, let me tell you what a new robe looks like. It's in verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you should also, so also should you. Beyond these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. You know, I believe we're in a season where God is, is calling up a reverence for his word and for his work. He's calling a reverence for his word. He's like, look, when we're here on Sunday morning, there's something spectacular and amazing that happens, right? Like we're experiencing it like throughout the day today, right? And the Lord's saying, don't, don't try to put a lot of things in the way of it. You know, I, I mean, church announcements have been like, for years, it's like, where do we even put these things? They don't fit anywhere. But it's like the, the, the Lord's like, hey, get it out of the way. Because there's something more important that I'm doing in the moment, right? It's like, all right, Lord. So we, we, we hold our plans loosely. We say, Lord, come how you wanna come, do what you wanna do. Where was I? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you and all the wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. But here's the tension to that. Here's the tension. Yeah, I changed my robe, but it's still me. Right, it's like, it's like somebody who's like has a dysfunctional relationship and they leave that relationship to go find a new one, but the problem is everywhere you go, there you are, you know? It's like, I, I, gotta, I gotta fix my dysfunctions if I ever expect a different thing, but it's like, like everywhere that you go, there you are. And 
And that is still a tension. That is still something that we have to understand. It's still something we have to walk out. But, Matt, but Jesus said something so amazing in Matthew, the 22nd chapter. They're challenging Jesus about anything they can try and catch him on, right? Like they, they just ask him like these random, like stump the savior, you know, like they're trying to play this game. 17th verse, Jesus then said, Jesus, tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give poll tax to Caesar or not? I, it, look, I'm not gonna go into the whole backstory, but like they were taxed, the Jews were taxed by Romans, they didn't like it. It was a whole big war. They actually thought that the Savior was gonna come there and he was actually gonna get rid of Roman rule uh, and that he was gonna build an earthly kingdom, but Jesus was coming to build a heavenly kingdom that surpasses anything on earth. More on that later. But Jesus perceived their malice and said, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought to him a denarius. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is, is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And hearing this, they were amazed and leaving him, they went away. What he said is give to Caesars that which bears his image and give to God that which bears his image. The very beginning of the, the word, we have a book called Genesis where in creation God had said, let us make man in our image. You are an image bearer of God. You, you are made in his likeness. When, when he looks at you, he sees himself. And, and, and maybe there was a season, there was a season, because you must be born again, where, where you had a robe on that began to, to change the identity of what he had, but you were still the image bearer of Christ. And when you put on the new robe, you actually became the person that you were made to be. So the tension that you think you have of that there's still me, I need you to understand that you're a son, that you're a daughter because you, you bear his image. Your children, they, they look like you. They, they, they bear your image. They bear your image. God says, you're my son, you're my daughter. You look like me gave you, I knitted you together because you're precious. I wept at your birth. It's so beautiful. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around when she said that. I wept at your birth. I wanna, uh, find the runway and start landing this plane, but your question, and the question at the beginning of the message, what is the heavy burden that we should never tire from carrying? It's the weight of glory. The weight of glory. Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart 
But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction. And look, Paul is writing this. Like the very man who was stoned to death, resurrected and went back into the same town and preached again. He says light affliction. Like that's a whole different kind of perspective right there. Light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight, come on somebody, of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things that are, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are not seen, are, or things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Something that you have to understand is that the weight of glory required a death. The, the robe that we wore brought death and the payment had to be paid. We could never receive the weight of glory unless that price was paid, the propitiation. The wrath of God was satisfied. You know what the weight of glory is? It's the moment that you realize the forgiveness of sins is yours, that he gives it freely to you. The weight of glory was probably something I missed, but when Pastor John got in, the Lord said, this is his thing, not yours. So he gets to carry all the weight of it. It's his will, it's his bill, right? Fancy preaching way of saying it. That the weight of glory is the moment that you find healing and the burden of this world is lifted from you. It's the moment that peace begins to take place in your heart and the burdens are no longer there. It's the loosening of the tension of the world that we used to live in and we begin to see the world from a whole new perspective, which is an eternal one. That we're not subject any longer by circumstances, right? Our peace does not depend on what's happening around us. Our peace come straight from heaven that no one can get in the way of the weight of glory. The weight of glory is fully recognized in the cross. Hey, leading up to it, it says he, he became sin. Let me just be clear, self-righteousness, idolatry, it's all sin. He became sin. It was such a heavy burden on him. He sweated blood out of his body. but he did it so you didn't have to. He did it so that you could experience the weight of his glory in your life. How, how do I define his glory? I can't fully define it, but I'll give you my best. It's salvation we find in Christ. It's deliverance that he gives us. It's the power to heal. It, 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 is, it is the saving grace, it is the love of God, it is the, the holiness of God manifest on earth. His, his glory illuminates all of heaven. It is the manifestation of his presence. It is his glory. And when we begin to experience that weight, everything else has to fall off. 
There is nothing else that can compare. There is nothing else that can come up against it. And when it does, there is a controlled burn that begins to happen. I feel like the Lord wants to do a controlled burn. Can I ask a huge favor of you? Can we sing worthy of it all? Stand up with me. I just feel like, I just feel like the weight of glory is just gonna fall in this place. I feel like, like there's a, so somebody who walked in this, I felt this in worship this morning, somebody walked in this door and they were just like, they just began to, like there was, there was a shaking of the ground in that time of worship and it was like worship wanted to come forth but there was like uh, just the, the, the thought of what people think of me or what, it, what is it gonna look like? And look, let's control burn all that. Let, let's burn away all the things that would stand in between us and experiencing the manifest presence of God. Lord God, I ask that your glory, the weight of your glory would fall in this place in Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, I ask that you'd begin to burn away all the self-righteousness, Lord God. Lord, that you'd burn away all of the sin, the things that so easily entangle us, Lord God, so that we could run the race as we follow you, Lord God, that we wouldn't make serving you or even the things of you an idol in our lives, Lord God, but we would just seek your presence, Lord God, that your presence would manifest in this place, Lord God, that your presence would touch our lives, Lord, Lord, that you would rework our minds into the understanding of what propitiation actually means. In Jesus' name, let's worship for a minute, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.